Well, good morning, Highlight family. I'm so excited to be with you all this morning. If we haven't met yet, my name is Chris, and I have the opportunity to be the creative pastor here at Highlight Church. And be, on behalf of our lead pastors, Joshua and Kyra Redding, we're just so thankful that you are joining us this morning as we kick off new series Sunday, Home Sweet Home. It's going to be an amazing message. And to our online family, we're so excited that you're joining us today. Thank you for being with us in the room. And I don't know about you guys. I know that the blessing of a healthy local church, there are so many different ways that you can break that down. But it's been an honor to have the opportunity to open up today's message. Um, and our pastors trust me to open up today's message. To let you in a little bit, our pastors have been something uh, so powerful in my life. They're one of the main reasons uh, why I'm here today. And it, they're a great representation for me of what a healthy local church looks like. Growing up, I wasn't plugged into a church. I didn't grow up in the church. I didn't start attending one until later in life. And you'll hear a little bit in this message the impact that our lead pastors have. But I just love giving them honor whenever I can. And so one more time, can we give a round of applause for our lead pastors, Joshua and Kyra Redding. Man, you know, today I'm going to be talking about one of the most important events that ever has taken place in the Bible, and that's the beginning of the church, the first church that has ever uh, been planted. It's going to be found in Acts 2. But to give us some context before we dive in, this is post-Jesus resurrecting and ascending into heaven, and there is a body of believers that had gathered all across the world from West Asia, Middle East, to North Africa, to Europe. They all gathered in Jerusalem and the disciples were praying and the Holy Spirit uh, descended upon them and they received it and they started speaking out in tongues and all these people are like how do they know my language how can I understand them we all understand them together and it was a powerful moment and all of a sudden Jesus positioned Peter for this moment to deliver a message and it's a very powerful message because 3,000 people gave their life to Jesus now we don't know how many people were in that sermon. I doubt that every single person there gave their life to Jesus, but 3,000 at one time is huge. And their desire immediately after that is to form something, to come together and to build what we now know as the Jerusalem church, the very first church plant ever recorded in history. And so we're going to be diving into that text today. But before we do that, let's pray together as we open up the word of God. Father God, thank you, Lord, so much for this opportunity we have uh, to learn more about the first church, the Jerusalem church, God, where 3,000 new believers came together and started something powerful. And God, we're just so excited to learn more about how that church operated, to learn more about your word today, God. I pray that you speak through me, and God, that it's less of my voice and more of yours. And God, we just want to give you all the glory this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, hey, we're going to open up in Acts 2 this morning. If you don't have your Bible, don't worry. We got some on the left and the right-hand side of the screen for our online family. We've got some at the bottom that'll pop up for you. But Acts 2, we're going to be kicking it off in verse 42. It says this, All the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper, and to prayer. A deep sense of awe came over them all, and the apostles performed many miraculous 
miraculous signs and wonders. And all the believers met together in one place and shared everything they had. They sold their property and possessions and shared their money with those in need. They worshiped together at the temple each day. They met in homes for the Lord's Supper and shared their meals with great joy and generosity. I think it's safe to say they did almost everything together at this point. All the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. And each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. And so today if you're taking notes, we're a note-taking church here at Highlight, so I'd encourage you to if you aren't. Today I want to give you a message entitled, Am I Willing? Am I Willing? Look to your neighbor and say, I'm willing, are you? Awesome. Am I willing? What I love about this text is it highlights the immediate response of the people, this desire that they had to come together and to do life with one another. You know, I believe at this point, if 3,000 people just gave their life to Jesus, they were looking for something greater. They traveled from all across the world to Jerusalem for something greater. And I think a lot of us, we've traveled from all across the world, or at least Maryland, or at least Montgomery County and Frederick County. We've traveled here because we're looking for something greater. We're in this church because we recognize that the world doesn't offer what we're after. It doesn't provide this need that we've been seeking. It doesn't give us what we're truly looking for. And I've realized something as time goes on is we all come to this place where we're looking for a church and we have this desire to be in community, but we're all left with this question. How do I find the right church for me? Where do I start looking? How do I know what's a good church from a bad church? Do I just Google this and it gives me the the information? I think a lot of us Googled highlight to find it. How do I know what's a healthy church? What, what am I supposed to be looking for? And so today what I want to do is I want to break down three signs or three indicators from this text of what a healthy church would look like. And I want to preface this. Not a perfect church but a healthy church, right? I think a lot of times our preferences kick in and we're wanting to find something that is perfect for us, but that's the funny thing about preferences is what's perfect to you may not be perfect to someone else. What we're looking for is something that's healthy. And even if this church was perfect, when I walked in this morning, it was immediately imperfect because we're all sinners and we're all inconsistent and we all fail to miss the mark. But what I love about this early church was they were not exempt from that either. They were all sinners. They were all imperfect. They were all inconsistent. But they had this mindset. If we came together, we could form something that was healthy. And I think if we look deeper uh, today, we're going we're gonna to see what those may look like. And so first up, first point, this first sign of a healthy local church is a healthy local church will have an environment for growth. Wow, yeah. An environment for growth. In the text, they gathered to worship in the temple daily, and the new believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. What we see created is an atmosphere or an environment where they could grow. And I think it's safe to say one of the most important things a church can do for you is give you a space for you to grow in your faith. Right? I think that's like the main thing that a church should provide is a space for you to grow in your faith. But what I love is the early church even in itself needed to grow because if you caught from the text, it said that they met daily. Daily. Could you imagine doing this daily like I love Sundays I love the opportunity to share a word I know our pastor does too but it's a lot of work to do this 
daily. And what I love is as you go further into Acts, we're only in Acts 2. In Acts 20, verse 7, you can write it down because it won't pop up, but we see that they transition to meeting once weekly. It's a little bit more understandable, a little bit more breathing room, only once uh, weekly, but we see Paul preaching to them, and it was from morning to midnight. So it's uh, about 10 right now, so if you can give me the next 14 hours or so, we'll be here until midnight. Could you imagine? Eight to midnight? I mean, we're here for an hour, and we're like, all right, let's go. Eight to midnight. I could only imagine. But what we're seeing here is this need to grow, to mature in our faith. But growing up, I wasn't in the church. And so I don't know if you were or if that was kind of what your upbringing was. But when I started hearing this, I need to grow in my faith, I had no idea what they were talking about. I'm like, grow in what? My faith? How do I do that? Can you define that? Are there some like stepping stones that I need to complete, some boxes I need to check? Define this growth for me. And I think Paul does a great job in Ephesians 4 of doing this. It starts with verse 17. It says, with the Lord's authority, I say this, live no longer as the Gentiles do, for they are hopelessly confused. Their minds are full of darkness. They wander far from the life God gives because they have closed their minds and hardened their hearts against him. They have no sense of shame. They live for lustful pleasure and eagerly practice every kind of impurity. I think if we removed the word Gentiles and put in the world, it would look a lot like what we're in right now, right? But I love this. Paul transitions. But that isn't what you learned about Christ. Since you have heard about Jesus and have learned the truth that comes from him, throw off your old sinful nature and former way of life, which is corrupted by lust and deception. Instead, let the spirit renew your thoughts and attitudes put on your new nature, created to be like God, truly righteous and holy. You see, the growth that we're talking about is removing these areas of our life that resemble the world. Removing these areas that keep us from being built up in the Lord. And the early church was not exempt from this. You see, these new believers had to remove their old way of thinking, their old preferences, their old thoughts, their old habits. They were raised up to be Jews. Now they have to step into the fullness of what a relationship in Christ would look like. I mean, back then it was even a shame for you to acknowledge Jesus as the Messiah. Imagine what they had to let go of to grow in that season of their life. But it begs the question for us as well. Am I willing to grow? Am I willing to grow? Am I willing to let go of this old way of life? Am I willing to let go of my old way of thinking, my old way of doing things, even my old thoughts of who God was in my life? Am I willing to let go of my old friends? Because if we could be honest, they're a bit toxic. Could I let go of my old way of thinking and my old habits that keep me running around in the same circles? Am I willing to let go of a night at the club and replace it with a night of prayer and worship at my church? And for a lot of us who has grown up in the church, am I willing to let go of the past pain and hurt from an unhealthy experience so that God can do something new in my life? Am I willing to let go? And I think it all boils down to one fact, one promise, and I think it's going to really click with you once we say it. My ability to grow comes from my willingness to let go. 
My ability to grow comes from my willingness to let go. If I'm not willing to let go of the past to pick up the future, I will never grow. If I'm not willing to let go of my past pain for new opportunities, I will never grow. And look, I know that's a lot easier to say than it is done. Because a lot of us have gone through some pain, some past unmet expectations, some hurt. We've grown kind of guarded, kind of shielded, kind of tough. But what I love about this is it doesn't mean that I have to find the solution immediately. It just means I have to have a willingness to grow. I have to have a willingness to unlearn these negative experiences, these negative situations in order to feel something new. And I know for me, when I sit here in this audience on a Sunday or I'm watching online, every Sunday I have this tug, this feeling that it's time for me to grow, that I need to let go of something in order to grow in something new. And if you're sitting here and you're feeling that tug already, I'd encourage you, lean into it, press into it, because growth doesn't happen overnight. It happens day after day, week after week, month after month. But it all starts with a willingness. Am I willing to grow? And here's the thing, God wants you to grow. He wants to see something new done on the inside of you. But you have to ask yourself, am I willing? Am I willing? Point number two or sign number two of a healthy local church is a healthy local church will have an, an atmosphere of community. It'll have an atmosphere of community. I know I said it at the beginning of this message, but I really do love the fact that they just heard this message and they said, we got to do life together. We're going to come together. I like to think of it as they all wanted to put their names on a new mortgage for a house. All 3,000 of them. They're like, we're just going to build a space and it's just going to be for us and we're going to grow together. Right? They came together. They didn't listen to the Apostle Peter's message and say, that was a great message, Peter. Thanks. They didn't listen to it and say, you know what, Peter? I agree with everything you said. See you next Sunday. I'm going to go back to wherever I came from, my home. Right? No. It was this immediate radical response. Verse 42 makes it seem like it was immediate. I heard the message. I got to do life together. I can't go back to where I came now. I got to connect here where I'm at. This atmosphere of community, and I love that about the gospel message. It wants you, it keeps you excited, it keeps you eager for more. They wanted to be in community with one another. They wanted to remain, and I love how a healthy local church will have that atmosphere of community because when I walk out these doors on Sunday, I see people remaining. They want to stick, they want to connect, they want to meet, they want to talk with each other, and sometimes it creates a bottleneck, and I like that. I like the congestion because it shows that people want to be here. And a healthy church will have an atmosphere of community. You know, I remember when I first decided to do the church thing, uh, I had started attending this local church in my area, and I'll be 100% honest, I was a seat filler. I was just a guy in the attendance. I was one when they did their metrics at the end. They had a plus one in attendance because I was present, but they weren't getting me nowhere else. I had zero desire to connect. I had no desire to meet anybody. I wasn't going to sign up for a group. Don't ask me if I want to serve. I remember I wouldn't even buy a coffee at their coffee shop because they had a reward program. And I was like, you are not getting my name. Don't text me. Don't email me. I just want to hear your message, feel good about my life, and move forward. Right? right? I didn't want to connect. I just wanted to fill a seat. 
I was just giving it a chance. Like, what is all the hype about? I'll, I'll give it a shot. And I remember one day I was sitting there, and on the screen it said uh, that they were announcing a new location in Altamont Springs, Florida. And that's where I was staying at the time. It's about 15 minutes outside of Orlando. And I was like, oh, cool. It's closer to my home. I don't have to drive as far. If I do choose to connect one day, at least it'll be people within my area. I'll, I'll go check it out. And so I remember I walked into this information meeting as a guest, but I walked out a part of their launch team. <laughs> I'm like, I didn't sign up for this. I just wanted to know where you were meeting, what time was it going to be, where's the location. I didn't want to serve. I just wanted to know more about the location. You signed me up for a launch team? What does that even look like? And they're like, hey, we'll see you on launch day. I'm like, yeah, I'll be in a seat. They said, no, you'll have a shirt with a lanyard. I said, what is this? I didn't sign up for this. Next thing I'm getting texts and emails about rehearsals. I'm like, what is going on? And so I was like, you know what? They got me in the meeting because they promised free food. I might as well see how, how it goes, where it goes. And so I show up for, for launch day, and they assigned me to Campus Safety. It was a cool team. So Campus Safety, shout out to y'all. I was one of you. I know the pain sometimes. But I remember I was standing there. I was assigned to be directly outside the double doors. We launched in the AMC movie theater. Now, I'll be honest. I don't recommend launching in a movie theater. It's a great place. I pray that God never calls us to do it. Let me put it this way. If Jesus wants us to launch in a movie theater, you bet we'll launch in a movie theater. But please, Lord, <laughs> not a movie theater. <laughs> because I remember I would walk in smelling nice. I had my cologne, and I'd leave smelling like buttered popcorn. <laughs> And I'd have this insatiable desire to go sit in the movies for the rest of the day. Uh, but I remember I was positioned there, and we had three other theaters that were specific for our kids' environment. And so I'm standing there, and I'm keeping watch. I'm making sure that people aren't missing their movies. It was also funny when there was, like, horror films premiering. And they're like, I'm looking for this movie. I'm like, well, you could look for church. <laughs> and so... They're like, I'm going to Exodus or, or something crazy. But I remember I'm looking down the hallway, and I see someone walking up to me. And uh, I now know who it was. It was Pastor Joshua Redding. And he came up and started chatting with me, saying hi. And I remember just, I loved our connection, but he invited me to a Bible study. And I remember in my mind, I'm like, yeah, I can't wait. I'm not going to go. <laughs> I was so hesitant. I was like, look, you got me to serve. You ain't getting me in a group. And uh, so I ended up going because he was texting me the information. I'm like, I don't want to be rude. He invited me to a Bible study. I'll give it a shot. And I remember I walked in with this feeling of hesitation, but I left feeling so much joy. And I wondered why. I'm like, why do I feel so excited about being at this Bible study? And it was funny because as it slowly, as I slowly started to come more and more, I started to get more and more excited. And then pastors invited me over for dinner one night, and I got to meet my now nephew, Jay. He was three years old at the time. Shout out to Jay. Love you, bud. But it was super cool because I was getting to know their family. No one's ever invited me over for dinner. And then I started getting more excited about being pulled close because they started discipling me, teaching me about the word of God. And I'm thinking this entire time, I showed up with nothing. I came to receive nothing. I just wanted to be there, but I'm leaving with so much more than I could ever ask for or imagine. And I was just filled with so much joy because I was, get, I was getting to be involved in community. I was having the opportunity to meet new people who were going to reach out to me, who were going to encourage me, who were going to be involved in my life. And I left feeling like I had this whole new support system. And it was because I was willing to be connected. 
that I found everything I could ever have. And it's not like I didn't have friends before. I had a whole lot of friends, but they weren't necessarily the best ones. They weren't inviting me to the things that were going to cause me to grow. They're inviting me to the things that, you know, are going to cause me to go somewhere else. In a pit and debt and misery and heartache. These people were inviting me to church, to Bible studies, to encourage me. It was so different. I found support. I found care. But most importantly, I think this is the best part. I started to reciprocate it to others. I started to show up early to set things up. I started to connect with people. In fact, I started to meet new people, get their numbers, and I started encouraging them. It was funny because once I was willing to connect, everything changed. And I believe the same thing can happen to you. But you got to ask yourself, am I willing to connect? Am I willing to attend a light group? Am I willing to get to know others? And I know it can be hard for us at times to commit to getting involved, especially if we've learned to be more guarded because we've been hurt in the past. Or if you're like me, I don't mind being alone. In fact, sometimes I prefer it. And it's hard for me to sometimes to want to go and connect with others. But when you're connected in community, it's a sign that you're growing in the Lord. You see, it's God's design for us to be connected. It's God's design for us to be in relationship with others. And the key here is when I am rooted in community, I grow in God. When I am rooted in in community, I grow in God. Why? Because God works through people. And the greatest way for me to get closer to God is to get closer to his body. We are better when we are together and a healthy church will provide a space for you to grow in community. And so this brings me to our final point, the final sign that we can pull from this text, the final sign of a healthy local church. And that's a church that has a culture of generosity, a culture of generosity. And I know a lot of us are like, I knew the tithe talk was coming. It's not about the tithe talk. It's in the text. We're going to see it in verse, uh, verse 45, Acts 2, verse 45. It says, they sold their property and possessions and shared the money with those in need. They worshiped together at the temple each day met in homes for the Lord's Supper and shared their meals with great joy and generosity. You see, their response to salvation was to grow together, to do life with one another, but most importantly, to support one another, to be generous, to sacrifice their own things, to uplift others. A healthy church has a culture of generosity, which leads me to one final question. If I'm willing to grow, if I'm willing to connect, am I willing to give to others? Am I willing to give to others? And here's the thing. Growth starts with willingness. Community starts with willingness. And I just want to encourage you. Being generous has very little to do with ability or financial margin. It has nothing to do. It has everything to do with am I willing? Am I willing to be generous and give to others? I love this text that's found in 2 Corinthians. It says this, verse 7, For God loves a person who gives cheerfully. God will generously provide all you need. Then you will always have everything you need and plenty left over to share with others. As the scripture says, They share freely and give generously to the poor. Their good deeds will be remembered forever. You see how that works? That when you give generously, God provides everything we need in return. That we're not just giving just to give, but it's also that God wants to give back to us in the process. 
that when we give from a pure heart, when we're generous, when we want to support one another, that God makes sure that we have everything we need as well. You know, flash forward a couple years after meeting pastors Joshua and Kyra, I was serving as the production lead at our uh, Altamont Springs campus, and I was also leading a light group, so I was fully invested into this church thing, right? Two years, a lot changed, and I remember some things changed in my living situations, and I ended up having to move back home, and this opportunity opened up at Pastor Kyra's mother's house for me to stay there. She wasn't living there at the time. It was an empty home, and she was looking for someone to care for it because she worked pretty far away, and she wasn't always coming back, and so shout out to Mama and Papa Michael. Love you guys. Thank you for letting me stay there. Uh, but I just, I, I, I found a connection piece again. I was back in Altamont, and I got a job as a pharmacy technician at CVS Pharmacy, and I worked some interesting hours. I would get off sometimes at 9, 10 p.m. at night. Sometimes it'd be 12, 1 a.m., depending on what the requirements were for that day. And I remember I got home one night, and I pulled into the driveway, and I saw the lights on at the house. And I'm like, oh, okay, Mama came over. She needed to pick something up. She's probably going somewhere. And then I look over at the door, and I saw the door was open. And I'm like, okay, well, her car's not in the driveway, so maybe she had to run out real quick. It was an emergency. She'll be back in a little bit. And I remember I started walking up to the door, and it started to set in what actually happened. And so I got a little nervous, so I went back to my car because I had a baseball bat in my trunk. Don't judge me. I had one. And I had a knife in my pocket, so I opened the knife. I'm carrying the bat. I looked like a street fighter, Derek Jeter hybrid, walking up to the house like this. I was nervous, y'all. And so I pushed open the door a little bit with my foot. And the way that the house was configured is right when you walk in, you see a living room to your right. So I walked in and did like the evasive maneuver, put my back against the wall. No one was there. So I start working my way through the home. And it would open up to the dining room, and the kitchen was on the right, along living room space and out of the corner of my eye I see light and I look over and there's this giant hole in my door someone kicked it in because I had two locks on it I remember when I walked into my door a lot of my valuable things were gone I'd been robbed our house had gotten broken into and I remember that feeling just setting in it was like a brick just boom this weight of rage of anger of sadness of feeling upset, feeling vulnerable, abused. It was just, it, it was a hard feeling to process. And so I called the police department and they were sending someone out and I shot out a text to a couple people, some of my closest friends and some people I was building with that church. And you know who the first person who called me was? The first person who reached out was Pastor Joshua Redding. He gave me a call and said, hey, I'll be right there. Just give me a few moments. So the cops are there. They're writing out the report. Next thing you know, he walks in the door. And I just remember in that moment, I felt so much peace and comfort. That in my season of need, of uncertainty, of anxiety, that stability just walked through the doors. And not only did he show up, he asked if there was anything that I need. If I had any food for the day, he was going to go grab me food. He even offered me a place to stay. He's like, hey, you don't have to stay here. You can come with us. And then he even helped me pack some of my things so I didn't have to stay there alone that night. He made sure that I had everything I needed and more. And you know, it's funny. He didn't even think about how it inconvenienced him because he was at home eating with his family. He didn't care how much money he had to spend to make sure that I had some food. He didn't care about the time or the distance that he had to travel. He didn't even open up his home. He didn't care about how it affected him. He just wanted to make sure that I was taken care of. And I think looking back on that now, I realized that that was less Pastor Joshua making sure I was okay but it was more God 
making sure I was okay. You see, at that time, I was serving faithfully. I was giving faithfully. I was in community. And based upon the text, it says that when I give generously, God gives generously. So in my season of need, he made sure to position someone to provide me with everything I ever needed and more. With everything I ever needed and more. You see, the whole point of this message, I think you could start to pick up on it. It's less about the signs of a healthy local church, but it's more about the attitude and the mindsets of the people within it. It wasn't the acts of teaching, the growth, the community, the generosity that was important. What's important was their genuine love for one another that stemmed for their newfound love in Jesus. These signs were just an overflow of that feeling, of that decision, of that place. The the new believers, they weren't upset about selling their possessions to help one another. They weren't upset about uh, creating dinner and opening up spaces for others to come and receive. They weren't upset about submitting themselves under the apostles' teaching so that they could grow. They were celebrating the opportunity to do so. And you know, when I was in one of my biggest moments of need, the church stepped up and was there to help me. And my prayer for you is the same, that when you leave this message, that you're no longer just being a seat filler, that you apply what this message has taught you, that you go out and you grow, that when you see a first-time guest in the lobby, that you you don't just walk by them, but you stop and say, hi, this is my name. Can I get your number? Let me connect with you. That when someone reaches out for some need, that you don't think twice about providing everything you can to help them. Because it's not about being a healthy church. It's about being the people we're called to be. But here's the thing. Am I willing to get involved? Am I willing to play my part? Am I willing to say yes to doing this church thing together? Because the whole point of the three signs of the healthy local church is this. A healthy church is not a place. It's a people that we're called to be. Jesus is not calling us to a building. He's calling us to be a part of the body. He's calling us to be generous, to be community-oriented, and to have a willingness to grow. That's what he's calling us for. And so the question you have to ask is, am I willing to get involved and to be a part of a healthy local church? Well, church, if you enjoyed this message, if we could give a quick round of applause for the Lord today.